Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossap here, managing editor of Fightful.com. It is October 12th. We're bringing you a Fightful MMA podcast. I am joined by a new Fightful signing, kind of new. It's been a week or so. James Lynch. James, how you doing? Doing well, Sean. Uh, Always a pleasure. Glad to talk some fights here on this uh, beautiful uh, Thursday evening here in Toronto, I must say. I'll tell you what's a pleasure to me is all these these interviews you're getting for Fightful.com. Cody Stamen, Brian Kelleher, Sam Alvey, you've had him coming fast and furious. Uh, You've talked to to Sam Alvey right after his fight was announced. He's flying out this week, you found out. Also, he wants to uh, challenge Vitor Belfort and a slew of other legends to fights. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. You know, Sam Alvey never a guy to turn on a fight, and uh, you know, big opportunity for him, uh, tough opponent. But uh, you know, Alvey's been on a bit of a roll. I was talking to him about this in the interview. You know, the loss to Elias Theodoro uh, last year in Ottawa. You know, he's only lost the one fight since then. Gone on a bit of a run. He's coming off the win over Rashad Evans. Uh, I'm interested to see what Smiling Sam can uh, bring to the table. He's quietly amassing uh, quite the quite the record in the middleweight division. Yeah, guys, head over to Fightful.com. You can check out those interviews. Tons of them. Go over to that exclusive section. Of all things, of all ways that Chuck Liddell could respond to Fightful via a Facebook comment earlier today about his return. And, you know, people have questioned whether he's going to return or not. He's kind of, he's kind of like stayed away from it a little bit, but he said that I'm happy and healthy with an amazing family and life. If I chose to fight again, and that's a big if, I promise I'll show up to fight. Do you think this has any real chance of happening or do you think it's just just one of those things I, I mean, for MMA, anything's possible at this point. I mean, it's of all sports. I mean, uh, it, to see him come back, it would not surprise me at all. But, uh, you know, from what we've heard, he has been offered Chell Sonnen, I believe, twice now. He's turned that down. I mean, that that is a, you know, big money fight if, if you're coming back and fighting. And, of course, you know, Liddell's looking for trying to make some extra dollars now that he's not working for the UFC anymore. So that sort of leads, uh, you know, a possibility of him coming back. But my gut feeling says he probably won't. If, if Bellator's smart, I mean, bring Chuck in and make him sort of like an investor ambassador and get him to do the you know the meet and greets and all that like Dan Henderson's been doing that so I think there are options for him that doesn't involve face punching and uh you know I saw his last fight I was there live when Rich Franklin knocked him out I don't think he has any reason to come back yeah 
We have that story up on Fightful.com as well as tons of others. We have uh, more interviews. We have Kamaru Usman coming up this weekend from Showdown Joe. We have a couple of columns from Showdown Joe as well. Also, in your neck of the woods, tomorrow morning, a press conference. And this, this uh, more than the press conference itself, UFC, Conor McGregor, they, you know, they've, they've had a hand in making Toronto this place for press conferences of late. Why, why no giant cards? Why no big cards? This was once the Mecca, and you've, you've witnessed all of this unfold. Yeah, I, I don't really understand it. Uh, Canada in general is getting sort of the short end of the stick. And, you know, it's interesting you bring this up because uh, we just saw the pay-per-view buy rates for the Edmonton card, and they were atrocious. And uh, I think uh, part of that is, is the fact that they're just not adding big names to these uh, markets outside of Vegas, outside of New York. And so you're seeing fans just not as interested in, the, in these cards. Um, I don't really understand it. I mean, I, I, I guess, you know, there is some sort of uh, sentiment among Canadians that, you know, are a bit snobby because, of course, if you look at the um, Demetrius Johnson card uh, when he fought uh, Koraguchi in Montreal, I was there live at Press Row. They closed off sections of that arena at the Bell Centre because they just went, didn't have enough ticket sales. So I think the UFC is kind of resentful towards that. But to be honest, they just haven't brought the big names that we're used to. The way I look at it is this, Sean. This is a, the analogy I use when I, when I talk to people about Canadian MMA with the UFC, is that we had first class, okay? If you think of it as a flight, you know, we were on first class. When the UFC came here, we had George, and George was the guy. There was no Conor McGregor. There was no Ronda Rousey. It was George St. Pierre. So we were getting all the good cards, all the big names. And then when George decided to retire or step away from the sport, all of a sudden we got moved back to coach. And I think when you, when you give people first class treatment and then you, you tell them, hey, we're going to give you the same product for the same price, but you're going to be in coach, people just aren't going to show up. So I think that's why the, the, the numbers haven't turned out. Let's be honest. Canada hasn't been put in coach. They've been dragged off the flight. Like, yes. <laughs> that's, that's, what it, that's what it's been. And it's really unfortunate because, you know, I see our viewership and I see when people tweet us, I see where, where it says they're from and, all the time it says Ontario, Ontario, Ontario. And I'm like, man, so they're, they're bringing this press conference there tomorrow that you got, you have to with GSP, you, you have to. And that's maybe to help resuscitate that brand. They didn't retain Rory McDonald. And I know Rory wants to help bring that back, but Bellator is going to need to sign a few guys in order for that to happen. I, I, I do like, it seems like they, they're making an effort, but how long will that last? Will it last as long as GSP's return, or do you think it goes on beyond that? It's it's tough to say at this point. I, I think that you have to tap into the Canadian market, though. There is really a lot of good talent in this country. You know, bias aside, I've seen some of the guys that you know progressed on. There's a, there's a kid that's going to be fighting for Bellator uh, coming up here very shortly. I, I don't know when they're going to announce his debut, but this kid Mandel Nalo, he trains at TriStar. He's a he's a lightweight fighter that guys like Joseph Duffy are raving about. So there are talent it's just a matter of getting that opportunity and i think uh i think for now we'll see them sort of you know um focus on the canadian market but if gsp's gone it's not as popular it's whatever the hot thing is right it's like with mcgregor when he's over here they're, they're you know the ufc signing all of his buddies like charlie ward and the lobov and guys like that I, I think we're seeing a lot more of that you know whatever the hot ticket is whatever the hot market is they're going to sort of go with that so I, I think we could see them you know stray away from the canadian market once gsp does eventually leave I hate that because I, I have seen a success in which came from Canada and the slew of fighters that, well, really they were around before then, but UFC made the smart play and capitalized on them. Yeah. Now, we hadn't spoken to you since the insane finish of that Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson fight. Oh, yeah. Like, as I watched that fight, and, you know, I've rallied against the Von choke for, for weeks, that you got to be real bad to get caught in that, or at least really <laughs> absent-minded in the moment. 
And I witnessed Ray Borg practically put himself in position to be Von, Von Flu choked like five or six times in that fight. I saw Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson with his ha- arm underneath the chin. All he had to do was scoot out a little bit, rear naked choke. He had guillotine chokes there all day. As it turns out, those weren't cool enough for him. Cool enough for him. And he hit this beautiful waist lock takedown into an arm bar. It was magnificent. Oh, yeah. I mean, could that have gone any better for Demetrius? I mean, here's a guy that, you know, for, for years has just not been adored by, by the casual audience and, and not adored by the fans or the UFC for that, that matter. And, uh, you know, he has just done amazing things in his last couple of fights, especially just with the fact that he's getting these finishes. And, I mean, that was just icing on the cake. What more does this guy need to do um, as far as, you know, uh, having that, that transition? I just think it's uh, the UFC in general just has a very tough time marketing people that aren't going to self-promote. And, uh, and Demetrius has self-promoted, but it's, it's not the same way that he captivates, uh, you know, a nation like Conor McGregor does or like GSP does in Canada. It's difficult to get to that sort of mainstream status. But from a fighter's perspective, Demetrius sends everything and, and above and beyond of what he's been asked for as a fighter. I don't think it's asking the UFC too much to like set him up on Jimmy Kimmel or set him up yeah. on Jimmy Fallon. Oh, just, just, I mean, you know, that, that could you see this little guy and then you show the audience this clip. Yeah, this 125-pound guy, he can kick your ass on anybody you know. Like that's, I think that's a way to market somebody in in their own. Like there, there are so many different angles and he'll never be that big giant draw, but he could be bigger than what he is now. And that the same could be said for so many different guys. It's, it's almost mind boggling. Now, every time he fights, you get this weird retconning of like, he hasn't fought anybody. He hasn't fought anybody. I, I think that couldn't be further from the truth. I wrote a column on this this week. Joseph Benavidez, like, man, that guy may have, like, ran this division the entire time had Demetrius Johnson not been there. Uh, Henry Cejudo is his equal based on the fight that we saw them have. And other than that, he hasn't lost to anybody but Mighty Mouse Johnson. John Dodson didn't lose to anybody in that division besides Mighty Mouse Johnson. Kyoji Horiguchi, if you were to walk up to somebody and say, and to a 26-year-old prospect, you'd say, oh, put him in there with Demetrius Johnson. Well, then you would have to say, oh, yeah, yeah, by the way, he lost to Demetrius Johnson a few years ago. So that's already happened. Like, I think it's, I think it's mind-boggling that people think he hasn't beaten anybody. But meanwhile, had he come along two years into the division, after there had already been two or three champs beating them, it's like maybe, maybe things would be different. It's, it's weird how... Having that title and not having that title, just the perception of it changes a resume. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that one of the things you have to look at, it, I mean, it's not a fighter's fault who he chooses to fight. I mean, it's, it's just whatever the UFC decides to book, but it's the way he's finishing these guys. You mentioned Joseph Benavides. Nobody's finished Joseph Benavides except for Demetrius Johnson. Same thing with Henry Cejudo. Uh, Wilson Hayes, he had never been submitted in his career. Demetrius Johnson submitted him. Um, Demetrius Johnson, I believe, also holds the record for uh, uh, fifth-round stoppages. Uh, he has three of them now in his career. Uh, nobody has, has done that. I, I know Dillashaw got two fifth-round stoppages, but not three. So, I mean, he's breaking all these records. He's, he's done all these amazing things. That's the stuff we have to focus on. It's so easy yeah. for people to say he hasn't fought anyone good. Those are people not doing their research. Uh, you got to look at the stats, and the stats say that he is, you know, uh, you know, pound for pound. I hate using that word, but uh, he, he's, he's up there. I mean, yeah, for yeah. sure, if not the best ever, he's, he's right, you know, right, right at the clipping at the heels. One of the arguments that I got from somebody was that he lost to Dominic Cruz, and I'm like, guys, you're talking about – a Demetrius Johnson, who was an average size flyweight, who was training part-time 
at that yeah. point. He yeah. never started. It was after this fight that Matt Hume said, when are you going to start taking this serious? And he faced a pretty big bantamweight in Dominic Cruz, maybe the greatest bantamweight of all time at his physical peak. Like that was, I don't think Dominic Cruz was ever better than that point of his career. This was before all the injuries. So I think like, man, if you're going to, if you're going to hold that one over his head, come on now. No, it's, it's it, I mean, you can't, there are 35, they're, both fights were at 35, his losses, uh, Pickett and, uh, and, and Cruz. So, I mean, if we, they have to focus on the weight class, who cares what happened at, I mean, if we're going to go by that, uh, you know, yeah. argument, then BJ Penn's worthless because he moved up a bunch of weight classes and he always lost except for, I mean, he won yeah. the title at featherweight or, uh, sorry, uh, welterweight, but, uh, I mean, he lost to Machida, he lost to, uh, Nick Diaz. So are we just going to say that he's not very good because of that argument? I, I mean, that's ridiculous. I agree. Speaking of that division, Henry Cejudo went through a fire, burned his feet, and he's still fighting. Uh, Not a big surprise that before he signed a UFC deal, Vince McMahon wanted this guy as his, ironically, his Mighty Mouse character, as they call it, because uh, Vince McMahon has always wanted a character like the Mighty Mouse cartoon. Uh, He Mighty Moused it up, unfortunately lost his gold medal. I'm positive he'll find... Somebody will get him a new one. It, it'll work out. But I'm just glad the dude's okay. That's horrifying. Yeah, and, and what, a, what, what a thing to deal with uh, when you've got a fight coming up as well and, and just all these things to sort of uh, have to encounter. Um, you know, glad to hear that he's okay. I mean, he's got, you know, bumps and bruises, like you said, with the ankle. But, I mean, thankfully, you know, he didn't get burnt or anything, you know, serious where it could have impacted his career. So, uh, you know, good for him. And, and what a hero for, uh, you know, going in there and, you know, taking care of business. But, uh, it's yeah, it's, it's one of those unfortunate situations. And glad to just hear that he's okay. Man, the, the leaps that he made after his loss to Demetrius Johnson to his fight with jo, 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 ah, Joseph Benavidez. Be, ah, easy for me to say. <laughs> Benavidez. Like yeah. His boxing looked so much more crisp. And, of course, his last fight against Wilson Hayes. Like, you see these leaps that he's making. So I hope that doesn't slow him down. I'm very pumped for that fight against Pettis. Yeah. So that, that's a big one coming up. While we, we're going to stick around in this flyweight division, Ian McCall's out of it. He's yeah. gone. He basically put a price tag on his own CTE, which, hey, if he's willing to do that, he's willing to do that. I'm, I, I want to hear your thoughts on his decision and the UFC granting him this release. Well, good for the UFC for granting him his release. I mean, at least it's not a situation like an Eddie Alvarez a couple of years ago where, you know, he just could not come to terms and to get his release. So good on the UFC for that. But man, it's a bit of a risk. I, you know, I, I pointed out there because I don't know, honestly, as a, you know, a fan who, you know, someone who covers the sport as well. Um, I just don't know the market for flyweights at this point. I, I know the ACB apparently pays pretty well. I know Zach Makovsky, for example, has a fight coming up here uh, this Saturday for ACB in Montreal. And apparently he's getting paid pretty well. But is there a big market for flyweights out there? especially at that price tag probably not so um you know good on him for saying hey i'm worth this much maybe he's trying to do the whole law of attraction where you know he puts himself out there and says i'm worth this much and maybe he'll convince someone to pay him but i don't know i don't know who's going to write that paycheck for him because i'm not entirely sure that there's a market for him yeah if there is i would love to see horiguchi versus mccall i would love to see that fight yeah that, that, that would be excellent yeah that's that's a good fight now i know that horiguchi fought at bantamweight his his last go around but I would really like to see that fight. That sounds like a good one. Olka Sasaki moves into the top 15 as McCall has dropped out, so he got there by default. By the way, I almost forgot. When we were mentioning Chuck Liddell in his post-UFC career, I cannot believe they didn't adopt that Chuck Liddell mascot that was in the crowd at UFC Cincinnati. Yeah. What, what happened with that? that? Yeah, I do. Oh, I my do. gosh. Yeah. Like, I cannot – if I were the UFC, I would have been like, 
that's our mascot. That's our bring guy. Him, bring every him to single or bring him to like fan expos and all that stuff. You know, when they do like the, oh, yeah. the, the UFC pre-fight thing, get, get him down there. I mean, people, it's, it's amazing that, you know, when, when you talk to people about, you know, how they got uh, interested in the UFC, uh, usually they mention you know, one of two names it's, or one of three, I should say it's Randy Couture, Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz. And people still, because Chuck did one of the things that Chuck did, he didn't have a big personality, but he had that Mohawk and people remember him for that. And in that look that he had and, and everything else. So, why not try and carry that on? I mean, he's still got a pretty strong brand. The fact that you and I are still talking about him says enough about that. So, they, yeah, big time. They missed the vote on that. Huge, huge. Mark Hunt got pulled from his fight, his upcoming fight with Marcin Tybura, and he's not happy about it. He was going off uh, that he's having symptoms of brain damage. So UFC pulled him, replaced him with Fabricio Verdum, which, you know, that's – Hey, shout outs to him for taking that fight like days after, which I mean, he, he didn't take any damage. And as Joe and I said on the post show, both Walt Harris and Fabricio Verdum could t- take fights. Like they could have rescheduled Harris and Godbeer for like Poland if they wanted to. Uh, but Verdum slides in there. Mark Hunt's out. He's a real mad. What do you make of that? So there's there's two things I look at that with with this. First off, um, Mark Hunt saying that he was misquoted. I mean, uh, you know, isn't isn't this supposed to be a first person? I mean, I guess it just shows that they don't actually write their own things, which no surprise there. Um, but uh, you know, I think I, th- I look at this two ways. I think that uh, for the UFC, this would have been a PR nightmare if they would have let him fight and they had these quotes readily available in this article. And you have you know mainstream outlets that j- are just waiting to hate on MMA that can grab this and use this as ammunition, uh, you know, for when he's fighting, especially a card that he's headlining and he's you know a big deal from New Zealand. So there's that side of it. The other side of it is this lawsuit, you know, the, the Mark Hunt uh, issue with, uh, you know, when, when he fought Lesnar and of course him, you know, uh, you know, having that legal action against the UFC, I think in some ways is the, the UFC's way of sticking it to him as well. So I don't think necessarily this is all about fighter safety. I mean, we had Kevin Lee fight with staph infection on Saturday, so I don't think they're too, too concerned about that, you know, to a, to a greater degree, but I do think, like I said, I think it's a PR thing and I think it's also uh, just them trying to get back at Hunt. My dude, I once watched two 250-pound women fight at a place called Dale's Hot Dog Stand in a sanctioned MMA fight. You wow. never know what they'll just let go and what they won't let go. It is – it's crazy. But, I mean, the UFC hasn't had, like, a major, major concussion lawsuit against them yet. It's going to come. It yeah. will happen. That well is still very full, and – Somebody is going to look to make money off of that, I'm sure. Uh, so I don't blame them. Mark Hunt, I just wonder if if something like this will be what forces him out of the UFC finally. There's so many issues and stuff, but he's just the type of guy I see taking fights and fights and fights until he just can't anymore. Like, he's just that dude. Yeah, and it could be end up being one of those kind of those sad stories. Unfortunately, I'm not saying death necessarily, but we've seen yeah. some guys who've just held on a little too long, like a Phil Baroni, like a Jens Pulver. For me, I hope that Mark Hunt, you know, makes that decision and sort of looks at his career and says, hey, you know, I've accomplished so much. I fought for the title. I mean, there's there's so many things that we can look at with Mark Hunt's career that are just amazing. So, you know, and, and again, it's easy for us to hit, sit here and talk about his career, but, uh, you know, I would hope that he makes the right decision for his family and everyone else. And, you know, if he's having these issues, you shouldn't be fighting. I mean, that's the reality of things. I mean, at the end of the day, you, you want to have a life beyond fighting and, and, you know, having those symptoms certainly doesn't sound like a very good life to live. WADA has clarified banned substance substances in certain categories and clarified its positions on others, including some uh, anti-inflammatories, some asthma medications, alcohol was pulled off their list. 
Uh, there were about eight new banned substances across different categories. Um, there are things that were formerly listed as diuretics that are now allowed. I will say it's good for UFC that some of these amendments are being made. There's still a long way to go on some of these substances and stuff. We saw a ton of guys get banned or face suspensions, at least temporary suspensions, because of clenbuterol. We've seen it with with marijuana. We've seen it with just a lot of things where it shouldn't affect someone. Uh, what is your stance on this? Also, um, the cutoff for IVs is now 100 milliliters across 12 hours. Anything over that is prohibited. Interesting. Uh, well, that's a double loaded question. I'll answer the first part of it. But, uh, yeah, the, the, sure. I mean, I mean, I think, I think that, uh, I think it's good. I think that the, I want to see these changes. I think, you know, um, if you've seen the documentary Icarus, uh, of course, uh, they, they had the director on, on Joe Rogan's podcast. And, uh, you know, the thing that we learned out of that is that they're always trying to be one step ahead of the curve as far as drug testing and everything. These guys, they're finding new ways to get around these tests. So I think the fact that the, you, you know, you saw it as coming out and, and updating things, I think that's great. I think it shows that they're really sort of being proactive about, uh, you know, some of the some of the ways that people are sort of cheating the system so from that standpoint it's good um as far as the iv thing i, I think uh you know again it's uh if, if they're trying to improve safety I, i'm all for it um i i think really uh you know you saw it as they, they've had some issues here and there but i think overall um even though fans don't like it i think at the end of the day they are trying to improve the sport and make it cleaner and i think that that's uh for a lot of people uh what we want to get if, if they're trying to make this sport not as um you know like they kind of have that bad stigma i think they're really trying to clean it up and i mean if you look at other sports i mean the ufc's uh, doing a lot more testing than a lot of these other sports. So you got to commend them for that. Most of our questions relate to a topic that, that I was going to ask you about this Daniel Lima cut that we saw. Oh my God, that guy was yeah. knocking on death's door and they let him fight and he went the full three rounds. And, and we've really seen this happen like three or four times over the past month, particularly like it just keeps happening and happening and happening. And there are some that say, well, if you open up new weight divisions, that, then people will like people that fought at 170 will just move down to 165 and try to make it even worse, like type of thing. Well, what is your stance on these guys being allowed to fight? They pulled a, there. There have been a couple of times where people have been pulled, so at least there's that. Well, the one that comes to mind is the the fight on UFC Japan. Uh, Charles Rosa's opponent, uh, his name escapes me at the at the moment. Um, Mizuno, no, I can't remember his name. Yeah, Hirota, sorry. Um, he, uh, yeah, they, they didn't allow him to fight. That was the right call. That This should have definitely not happened. Um, I don't think extra weight classes is the solution because, like you said, you can have guys that will cut down even further uh, to try and make it. You're always going to have people trying to, to you know, uh, cheat the system or try and take advantage of the system. Um, I've said this for a while. I don't know why they can't do this, but when you saw it as testing, why can't they check their weight? Why can't they see, are they in a certain range? If you're 30 pounds over, you're probably not, you shouldn't be allowed to fight at that weight class. I remember when Hen and Barrow fought Sterling, they actually made him have a catchweight fight because they were concerned about him cutting down to bantamweight. That is the type of thing yes. I would like to see more of in this sport. And I think that is a better solution than adding more weight classes. Don't get me wrong. I think there are some weight classes that could use, uh, you know, they, they could add some in there. Uh, I was talking to some people last night about this, you know, 165 class would be, would be nice. And maybe you bump welterweight up to 175, but to add more weight classes in i think you're going to get into boxing and then you're going to have people confused and that's the last thing we want um so yeah, I, think, I think i think 10 yeah. 10 pounds gotta be the max you can't be yeah. like 155 then 160 that was actually the question that lucha underground's uh, Vinny massaro posed to us he said is weighing a fighter throughout camp so they don't have a massive weight cut even an option it should be an option yeah they're there elias theodoro has said climbing his fire escape to test him 
they can weigh them. Yeah, exactly. And and I think and I think you know they, they have, yeah they, they have to check them anyway. So I mean, why not just take that extra second and say, hey, go on the scale. And if there if there's something ridiculous, we're concerned for your safety. You're 30 pounds over. I don't think you should be allowed to fight. And usually they test you know early in camp. They test you know. So if, if it's an issue of uh, someone can't fight. They, they have enough time to find a replacement. It's not like they're uh, coming and, and checking at certain times. And plus, if the fighters know this, they'll have to be more responsible uh, with, with their weight cuts. And, uh, you know, Tyler Minton, who, uh, you know, does some great work, uh, the Melee way, I don't know if you're familiar with that. He works with Daniel Cormier and Chris Weidman, and a bunch of other fighters. He said it best, you know, stay healthy year-round. Eat healthy year-round. It sucks, but you're a professional. You have a job to do. You have one job, and that's to fight. Why not be the healthiest version of yourself and be realistic about it? If you're a guy who, you know, is, is really uh, having to, to starve yourself to make a certain weight class – Maybe it's not the right weight class for you. So I think those are those are two options as well. You know, eat healthy and you know get your weight checked a lot. I think that's the solution. Someone also asked, uh, will the weight issue, will weight cut, uh, weight cuts uh, going to be? Uh, man, I am on it today. <laughs> uh, Daniel asked, is weight cutting going to be to MMA what CTE is to the NFL? I don't think so yet. Um, I mean, it's, I, I think we, I mean, the fact that they're getting rid of the IVs, I think we're seeing, I mean, with the UFC, I think it's, it's a little bit better. I mean, other organizations, I can't speak for that. Uh, that fighter that you referenced in the video, I believe it was Pancrase who did that, which is actually kind of surprising because they're a pretty uh, storied uh, promotion. They've been around forever. So why they would allow something like that is beyond me. But I think that, uh, I, I, mean, I don't they, think it's going to too. So yeah, well, that, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, that, that, that's actually, that, that's a great point. I didn't think of that. But uh, no, I think that it's, um, it, I, I don't think it's going to be as bad. Um, I think, I think CTE could be an issue for, for MMA though. I mean, that, that's, you know, that's definitely, we don't, we don't have the research yet. We don't have enough people in the sport long enough to test that. Dana White refuted reports of Conor McGregor and WWE. He said, it's not true. It's absolutely not true. I literally just texted Vince McMahon five minutes ago to which <laughs> the two hosts of the show he was on were like, let me see your phone. Let me see your phone. And they went through his phone and found the messages. And uh, Vincent Mann said, anytime, it might be great someday, but not now. Well, that's at least optimistic as it pertains to a possible fight on the horizon. Because when people were saying that, I'm thinking if he's fighting at Wrestle or if he's wrestling or appearing at WrestleMania in six months, he's got to fight before then because that's six months away from now. And we're talking about a year and a half out of the cage. One, that's not like McGregor. But two, that's bad for the UFC. Yeah, no, it is. And I, I think there's definitely something going on there. And uh, Fightful, I believe, was the we, we were the ones who kind of mentioned the whole ish, uh, you know story about that, which is kudos to Fightful. Uh, but it was, uh, I mean, I, I think anytime, anytime Dana White says something, you have to take it with a grain of salt. I mean, we've seen so many times where he said, this is not happening. I mean, he's saying Diaz McGregor wasn't even thought of. Are you kidding me? Come even on. those women who had no idea about MMA were like, we don't believe you. Let's yeah. see the phone. <laughs> yeah, exa exactly. So I, I think there is, there probably are some, I mean, Connor's probably looking at the paycheck he just made in boxing and he's looking at what these wrestlers are getting paid and saying, Hey, you know what? Might not be so bad if I, you know, I, I dabble in some other things and, and the brand that he has is so strong. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're going to, I mean, crystal ball here. I think Diaz McGregor happens probably next year. I think he's still going to take some time off and uh, not rush back to it because he holds the cards here. I mean, WME, they need, they got a new network deal they're trying to get. Uh, they, they, need, uh, they need stars. So Connor really holds all the cards here. I'm with you. UFC on Fox from Winnipeg got one hell of a main event. Yes, it did. Rafael Dos Anjos and Robbie Lawler. Now, since then, <laughs> there's been all, Dos Anjos wants an interim title. Yes. And 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wonderboy wins an interim title, and Tyron Woodley stepped up and said, uh, no, no interim title, because he's, he's, his shoulder's jacked up, his labrum's jacked up. He's going to be out a while, probably until spring, at the very least. He makes a pretty good point. Who else has fought as much as me in the short time span as I have? Normally, I'd be like, yeah, do an interim title, but considering the lack of clarity in this division, I'm just sitting here saying, let it work itself out. Yeah, no need for another interim title. There's certain, like, honestly, the the, the Ferguson Leet interim title fight I was fine with because, again, it had been so long and you need that division to keep sort of moving. So I'm fine with that. But welterweight, yeah, you can, you need some time to let some things sort out. I mean, we don't really know. I mean, Maya just fought for the title. You got this Wonder Boy Masvidal matchup. If Wonder Boy wins, that sort of screws things up. You've got this fight here with Lawler and and uh, you know Dos Anjos. Lawler, if he wins, does he get an immediate rematch? Like, it, I think I think we have to see how this all unfolds first. I love the fight. I think that's great for the fans in Winnipeg. They definitely they haven't had a card in forever. I think Henderson yeah. and uh, Evans was the last uh, fight they had there. Um, so it's it's definitely uh, you know it, it's good to see them get that fight. But no interim title. Stop. Yeah. Yeah, like when when Frank Mir is running off the road in a motorcycle, or Randy Couture is having contract Taylor? issues, or something like that, then I understand it. But if a guy's just out for like six months nursing a shoulder injury just let it play out if 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 Woodley wins in in the spring he's probably going to try to fight in the summer again anyway like he'll get in his two title defenses a year if he retains it like he he'll make it he'll make sure of that but I'm just glad to see the wheels turning in this division now because I mentioned last week like this light the lightweight division even though it didn't have an interim champion until now when we look back it didn't need one because the wheels weren't moving Nothing was happening in that lightweight division all year. Uh, Ferguson and Habib got pulled. Uh, Alvarez and Poirier went to a no contest. There were a ton of guys that just didn't fight, like Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor. But uh, I'm just glad to see the wheels moving in this division. Yeah, me too. And we have to mention Carlos Condit coming back, fighting Neil Magny. So yeah. that had some intrigue as well. So the, the welterweight division, I mean, it, it was, you know, had a little bit of a gray area for a bit, but I think things are back in order and uh, there, there's a lot of exciting things happening. Of course, also have to mention Colby Covington's got that big fight against Damian Maia. If he wins, that's an interesting matchup. He's been talking a lot, especially at the champ Tyron Woodley. So uh, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's exciting again. So, I mean, it's, it never really was boring, but I think uh, now there's a lot more chatter yeah. as far as contenders and all that. So I'm excited. It's going to be great uh, rest of the year for the UFC. It's just so funny to me that while Tyron Woodley was finishing up his, his last title defense, it, there, like I said, no clarity. Now that he's on the shelf, you've got Lawler and Dos Anjos fighting. You've got Carlos Condit coming back. You've got Colby Covington making that huge leap. 
You got Donald Cerrone willing to fight anybody as Donald Cerrone's going to do. Uh, Kamaru Usman is chirping a lot. Like he's he's out there talking and making noise and doing stuff like that. That's good. That's good for that division. It needs it. Uh, we had a question in regards to Woodley, but we kind of answered it. But there was also a question in regards to Steve Miocic and his contract negotiations. Like, what do you think happens with the heavyweight division right now? I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he'll eventually fight, but what's your take on that? Yeah, I, th- I think he'll be back. I think he just wants to get paid what he believes. He- it's, it's a weird situation with Stipe because, uh, you know, Stipe is just not a huge draw. I mean, he he's beloved in Ohio, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, very proud Clevelander. But it's just he's not he's not like a global star. Like Alistair Overeem, people know him more than they know Stipe. And that's why Overeem gets paid more. But here's the thing. Stipe is a champ. So how do you sort of vary that as far as a price tag? So I'm hoping they'll come to an agreement. They do have that fight with Overeem and Nagano. If Nagano wins that, you surely he has to fight for the title next. If Overeem wins, potentially he could get back in the mix because he's got the win over Redoom as well. So um, it, it's interesting. But I think at the end of the day, we will see Stipe back. It's just a matter of what happens. And, of course, uh, Cain Velasquez, who knows when he's coming back, but he's you know still kind of an option out there too. Nothing quite like trying to make sure that your podcast fits within a time frame so you can get an interview, only to have it <laughs> rescheduled seven minutes before it's supposed to happen. Oh, that story of my life. <laughs> yeah, I, I would imagine far more than I, although uh, Bellator is actually usually very good about that. So all in all, it's a quiet MMA weekend. You got Ryzen. Mm-hmm. That's really it. But then they come back with UFC Poland. What are you looking for on that show outside of that Donald Cerrone fight? And, uh, you know, you got Karolina Kovalkovich coming back too. But other than that, it's flying very under the radar. Yeah, it's it's not a strong card. Um, you know, it's it's again sort of one of those I don't want to say regional cards, but it's it's one of those cards where they've certainly made it heavy with the European fighters. And you know, it it almost reminds me of kind of like one of those Strike Force Challenger cards in a way. Like they have like you know a couple good veterans in there, but it's mainly just to showcase the European talent. Um, Brian Kelleher, who you know Fightful.com, go check out my interview with him. Uh, he's got an interesting matchup against uh, Damian uh, Stizek. Uh, Stizek, of course, uh, you know uh, got the ten and four record, and Kelleher, you know, had that great win over Yuri Alcantara, but then he blew against uh, Marlon uh, Chitovera at his fight after that. So I'm interested with that. A fight that's not getting enough love. Um, I know a lot of people don't like him, but Andre Feely's fighting uh, Loba. That's going to be a good fight. Hey, I, I have enjoyed Andre Feely since he won me hundreds of dollars at Counter Move years ago. Oh, good. A Counter Move. Jeez, that's a, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. That's uh, I yeah. know. I miss, I miss I that. I miss those guys. That was a fun time back then. But yeah, I picked him for... I feel like it was the show with Dos Anjos and Velazquez, maybe, maybe, if I'm remembering correctly. And that, and I picked Habib Nurmagomedov in one of them, and it was the one where he, he took down whoever it was 21 times in a fight. So just racked up those points. Who has the best card of that weekend, Bellator or UFC? Because Bellator is coming at us with Musashi and Schlamenko, Heather Hardy, Christina Williams. But uh, no longer Bubba McDaniel or Liam McGeary. Uh, they're off the show. Brendan Moore, David Rickles. Who do you think has the better show? 
Uh, you know, bias. I, I got a little bit of a bias here because uh, Gigard Mousasi, probably my favorite fighter of all time. Uh, just, to, just the intrigue of that, just for me uh, to, to see him fight. I think that alone, uh, for me, anyways, is is uh, yeah. I, I got to go with Bellator just because I, I like the fight with Mousasi. I think Shulmanko's a good test for him. He should beat him. But uh, you know, anytime Mousasi fights, he's getting better and better every single time we see him out there. Look what he did to Chris Weidman. I know controversial, but again, he was looking good up until that finish. Um, yeah, I, I got to go with Bellator. You know, I Cowboy. Yeah, if he gets this win, great. If Darren Till wins, I suppose it's good for him. It's sort of one of those mm. signature victories. But I'm looking down the card here. I mean, you know, there's a couple, like, good, like, you know, on paper fights. But, I mean, Felipe Arantes, Josh Emmett, I mean, Anthony Hamilton's yeah. on this card. Like, it just doesn't really scream to me any sort of name value. Whereas with Bellator, um, you know, Heather Hardy's always in, fun to watch. Um, you got the David Rickles, Brennan Ward fight, which is going to be a banger. And then, yeah, I, I, for me, Bellator right now, even with that fight uh, called off the McGeary fight, I think it's still the, the more intriguing card to me. I've said this before. I think if Heather Hardy had found MMA 10 years ago, we'd be talking about her instead of Ronda Rousey, the oh, way yeah. that, we, that people romanticize her because she's so captivating and talented. And <laughs> you could watch her grow and learn as she was in the cage in – uh, and it's, I think it's her first pro fight outside of New York, which is just barely outside of New York. So That's right. No, that, that it is for sure. And actually, her opponent's making her promotional debut as well. So it's kind of interesting to see, you know, how's Heather going to do against someone who, you know, she doesn't know a lot about, you know, making her debut and everything. So it's it's an interesting matchup. And, you know, Heather, uh, yeah, to me, that's that's that was a great move on Bellator's part. You know, I covered that event in June, and uh, I'll tell you, the, the person that got the most press – uh, you know, aside from some of the main card guys, was Heather Hardy. People love her, and it's it's just amazing to see how many people are just intrigued by her. And she's got a really good personality as well. So I agree, it's too bad that she's found it a little bit later. But another a nice pickup by Bellator and trying to make that happen. Too bad I had to reschedule my interview with her. And oh, I got I got bumped too. I, I actually I, uh, I I don't even know if I'm going to get to do mine. But uh, you know, I, well, I won't either. I'm, I'm I'm going to an amusement park tomorrow. So oh yeah, can't do it. Can't do it Is, now. Where uh, what's uh what, well hold on you can't just say that and not go into detail what what type of amusement park is it sounds kind of cool King King's Island in uh it's a little bit past Cincinnati now we went to Universal Studios uh, for basically our year delayed honeymoon and we got, we did the coasters and all that stuff and I love the virtual coasters there but we realized that like the place that we have locally kind of blows their their coasters out of the water so we're like okay we're gonna go up there they do a Halloween themed thing this oh, time of awesome. year so we're going up there tomorrow night and doing the fast passes and stuff because i'm far too impatient to I'm wait in line that. like i can't do it man i just can't do it did you go to we wonderland when you, sorry sorry just quickly didn't no, no, did, did, didn't. you didn't go to wonderland when you were here oh man no Oh, you got next time you come down here, you got to go. It's uh, I, I love it. I my wife and I got season passes a couple of years ago, and I think we got our money's worth within like a week because we kept going back and back. So any uh, any listeners out here in Canada know what I'm talking about. Canada's Wonderland's the, the bomb. Well, one of one of the office workers uh, for for Jimmy's company posted po uh, photos on her Instagram of her at like a Harry Potter bar. And my wife is a big Harry Potter freak, so it's like, well, I guess we got to start planning our next Toronto trip now because. That's that. That's her type of thing. There was so much that I didn't get to take in of Toronto, and I'm really excited. I didn't get, didn't get to go to CN Tower when I went. There was like a two hour wait that day. Oh man! So See, you got to make a second trip. That that sells the amusement park itself, the Wonderland. Sell that to the wife, and then you're in. And then uh, yeah, yeah. Pick up the logistics. Oh, I'm hoping I make dozens of trips. And I hate traveling. I loathe it. But that was not a bad. It wasn't bad travel. It was about an 80 minute flight. Really liked it. Plus, Canadian airports, at least the one in 
Mississauga was like way laid out way better than America, like so much simpler. Yeah, Pearson, uh, Mississauga. Yeah, because. Pearson. There you go. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> Jimmy got a minute for that too. Come on now. Yeah. Uh, the boy wonder, Nick Baldwin. I, I saw. I, I saw the questions. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is James? Well, we we talked about the McCall thing, but what is James's biggest emotion uh, going into his stint as full time MMA journalist? Uh, I think it's just that I, I'm hoping that everything just sort of works out the way I want it to. There's a bit of uncertainty. There, there always is. I mean, I plan this. You know me. I'm an organized guy. I, I do a lot of interviews. Yeah. I'm very uh, sort of good with that. But I just I hope everything goes according to plan. I have this idea in my head of how things are going to go as far as managing my hours, managing fatherhood, managing all these things. But uh, I just hope it works out that way. And I won't know until I'm in the trenches. But I've already like I'll tell you right now, Sean, I've already got my Monday sort of all filled up for interviews and all that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in full swing, man. It's uh, it's, it's going to be quite the ride. I'm super excited for it i would love to do like a combat media podcast where i just talk to people throughout mma pro wrestling boxing media about how they make this work because a lot of the time the most engagement i get out of our viewers and stuff is in relation to this work and what goes into it and stuff and going full-time in this line of work it can be horrifying in theory like thinking about that and you have to have Supportive family, you have to have the support of friends, people people who understand what kind of work goes into it. And I think by now, your family and friends know the drill because they've seen it while you balance work outside of that too. But yeah, I have no doubt that's going to work out uh, swimmingly for you. None, none at all. It's just, it is, it's, it's nothing is better if you can make it work. It's no, just for sure. the best. And and just quickly, I mean, for me, in some ways, it'll be a little bit better because like all my free time was going towards doing this. And I yeah. love it. Don't get me wrong. But you know how many times I get in texts from my buddies? Hey, you want to go for beers? And I'm like, no, I got to do this. I got to do this. I mean, I'll get a bit more time. That's probably going to go to fatherhood. You know, I want to be a good father. That's that's sort of the, the main thing here. But uh, I think for me, it's really just about, um, you know, finding that balance between, you know, fatherhood and, and not having this day job to sort of, I had a great day job, I, you know, digital media definitely paid my bills for a long time. Uh, but, but now I get to do something I really love every day and I get to make my own schedule and that is you know a huge plus for me and I, I really just feel like I'm going to be more efficient this way now that I don't have all these other logistic things of having to schedule interviews around work hours and having to yeah. work from home and all this stuff it's going to be it's going to make things a lot easier not only that it improves your content because I'm sure there have been times where that schedule has prevented interviews Oh, it has. Yeah, I remember one time, so, I, won't, I won't mention the fighter, but uh, they were set on a certain time at Tuesday, and I just couldn't do it. I tried yeah. I tried calling, uh, you know, t- taking sick days. I tried doing all these things, but it just never worked out. So, uh, so yeah, that, that's going to be a lot easier. I'm very excited to see uh, what all comes of this because I've been – I put you over on the podcast for a long time before. Anytime uh, somebody couldn't make a podcast, I was like, Joe, get a hold of J- James Lynch. That's the guy. That's the guy. Yeah, well, I appreciate um, that. Yeah. Ian, uh, Ian Bain says, would love to hear your guys' thoughts on how some top-tier MMA media floated more weight classes as a solution to stopping big weight cut. <laughs> I like the idea of more weight classes as in 65 and 75. I don't know if it will stop a big weight cut. I think it will cause a few to go away, but I think that it will also cause a few too. Like people, instead of Cutting to 170, they're not going to fight at 175. They'll try to make the cut down to 165. So 
Yeah, we talked about this earlier. I, I just don't think it's a solution. I, I, uh, I'm with Ian here. I, I don't think, I think the solution is you check their weight in between. I know one championship was trying to do something like that, or they, they are doing something like that. There's a little gray area with that, but I think, you know, take, use USADA as, as a weight indicator and, and go from there. I'm not saying it's going to fix it completely, but I think it'll help the situation. But more weight classes, it's just going to confuse people. If you have a, it's, it's already hard enough when I tell someone, hey, this is, you know, whoever, um, I don't know, uh, this is, you know, Chris, or sorry, who's the Tyron Woodley there's an example he's he's a welterweight champion oh yeah what what weight class is that oh well that was the one that George St. Pierre used to fight in oh okay that makes sense like that conversation in itself is awkward to the average person outside of our bubble so just saying now oh he's the cruiserweight champion or he's the like it's just too much here's the biggest question if you put a weight division at 165 what do you call it because I think that calling it super lightweight or junior welterweight isn't I, I hate that i hate that idea yeah i do too and it's you know it's too hard to write when you're doing like a like an article or oh something you know like it's 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 just super annoying just call it the kevin yes. lee division right isn't that what they should do yeah what well there are like some divisions like in boxing the 105 is minimum weight and then below that they have light minimum weight which is a total oxymoron like it, it doesn't yeah, it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You know what they should do? They should just do like a tribute to like past fighters and just use their last name as the division. So it's like, yeah. the, you know, the 165 would be the, the Hughes division or the, you know, whatever, you know, something like that. Well, King Mo used to say that he fought at money weight. And I was like, right. man, well, had he ever taken a 165 catch weight bout, which knowing King Mo, he probably would have tried to do somehow. Mm -hmm. uh, he would have like, I, I don't need a patella. Who needs that? Let's get rid of it. Let's make 165. <laughs> But, um, yeah, that, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear from our viewers what they should call a 165-pound division. That's a thing. Like, a lot of people say, well, we need a 225 division. And I'm like, man, that would gut, gut two really, really bare divisions already. I don't want to say bare, but two divisions that, that can't afford it. A 165 division, you've got 100 welterweights and 100 lightweights right now. That's just because that's the typical size of a human being. So, yeah. and, and not just that, Sean. That up, you, you, okay. you look at you look at the prospects outside the UFC. I mean, there's so many that, that probably should be in the UFC, but they can't because they're deep divisions. Um, if you look at heavyweight, it's it's like it's like a barren wasteland. Like, there's really no prospects out there. Like, the UFC has pretty much all the, the good prospects in North America, anyways. Outside, I'm sure they could bring some you know some Russians over and things like that. But it's really yeah. bare bones. Because I do those rankings for Flow Combat, and let me tell you, a couple divisions there, it's really tough to find prospects. It's just, there's nothing out there. Junior Albini is 1-0 and in the UFC and is ranked number 11 in their division. Yeah, I know. And, okay, probably more indicative are the fact that Andre Arlovsky and Travis Brown are still ranked in that division. Yeah, exactly. And, and like think that, about that's where we are. And, and just you even look at prospects in the UFC right now. There's Curtis Blades. There's Francis Ngannou. I guess you could consider a prospect, although I feel like he's sort of surpassed that. But there's like no one outside of that. Like who else do they have that's like an up-and-comer that you're like, wow, this is going to be the future? There's no one, really. Well, that's, that's why they don't do ultimate fighter heavyweights. They can't find anyone. Because exactly. <laughs> if, they, if they've got that many guys, they're just like, let's sign them up right now. Let's get them going. Pretty much. Let's or they'll just bring Wes Sims back out from retirement or whatever. <sighs> I'll never forget. I actually thought it was kind of hilarious when he got picked late, and he's like, "About time, Rampage!" Like, yeah, I thought he was very funny, but he was—he's a little off. 
He's super awkward. But how funny is it? Do you remember when they used to do his interviews and he's like, I defeated Frank Mir twice. And then he, you know, he lost both those fights, obviously, but like, he's just rewriting history. Like it's, you know, that's the type of guy he is. He's hilarious. I thought that was very good. And now we see Chael Sonnen doing it. I always tell larger athletes, like college athletes, some football players and women, especially like who, even if they're in like Christian colleges playing basketball, Hey, you want a real shot to be a professional in a sport? Give MMA a go because Cynthia Calvillo was not a pro fighter 14 months ago. No. Nope. And she is in the UFC and she is a contender in this division now. Like we see a lot of women particularly who showed up at a kickboxing class and fell in love with it and became MMA fighters. Or they took their kid to Brazilian jiu-jitsu class, hung around for it. I, I don't know how many times I've heard that story. And or, or football now we're player. starting to see athletes transition over, and we're starting to see that that change happen. And in MMA, it was almost reversed. We had a lot of football players come over, especially that season of tough. Some of them didn't adapt well, but now I think there's people know more of what's up with it. And I think well, I hope we'll start to see more of that. Well, I, I just, the one example that stands out to me, and again, he's only had the one fight in the UFC, but Eric Anders, I mean, how good did he look in his debut against yes. Rafael Natal? And he, of course, uh, won a national championship with Alabama. How cool is that? Like, are there any fighters in, in, in MMA in general who have won a national championship for football? I don't think so. It's pretty crazy. Did OSP? I don't know. I didn't follow college sports back then, or college football. Yeah, I, I didn't either, but I, I feel like that's something they would have mentioned. Yeah, they should. They yeah. should. I, I'm looking back at that. <laughs> that heavyweight season of ultimate fighter. And I'm just like, Oh man. Oh man. This, this, it got rough at times. And then you, you look through it and you're like, yeah, uh, Rashad made some pretty good picks. Oh yeah. Because he, he had Matt Mitrione and Brendan Schaub and uh, Justin Wren and John Madsen and even Daryl Schnoover, who was probably better than most people on Rampage's team, but. Yeah, got me fun of, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Justin Wren, that's a guy who is still getting it done. Took five years off, decided to come back and just dominate. That's uh, before as as we wrap up here today. Bellator need the heavyweight champion, and there's really no reason why they don't have one. What what is going on there? Isn't okay. So I'm, I might get this. Yeah, it's it's Minikov is the one. I always get him and uh, the guy in the UFC now. Uh, um, which McCall? Uh, Volkov. I get them mixed up because they they fought each other in Bellator, and it's, it's confused yeah. me ever since. Um, well, I, think I, they, I I was talking to Joe. We looked at like it was like an M1 show or something, and I think twenty of the twenty two fighters had, their name ended in OV. <laughs> yeah, it's and true. at that time they had Ivanov, Volkov, and Minikov, and they were all wrecking. People. Yeah, so I mean, there was a lot of confusion there. That was the uh, Russian invasion days in Bellator when they had, uh, you know, when Bjorn was bringing all those guys over. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was pretty crazy. And now there's like no Russians. Now they're trying to get rid of them uh, for the most part. But um, no, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, to get back to your question, I think the reason they didn't, I think they really thought they were going to get Minikov back, and he just didn't come back, and that's why they never had a champion. Because if you're if you're Bellator and you have Rampage Jackson fighting at heavyweight, would you not want him to be champion? I mean, he's a guy that everyone knows and everyone loves. So why why wouldn't you try and push for that? Well, according to him, his Bellator contract is done, and he isn't sure if he still owes UFC fights. That has got the most contract ever because he was signed with Bellator in the interim, took a fight in the UFC. In Montreal. But then was had there. to finish out his Bellator deal and now may still be obligated to fight in the UFC, but I don't see him ever fighting at 205 again. 
Do you remember who was supposed to replace Rampage in that fight before he did end up getting the fight? Because there, there was a whole legal thing where leading up to the fight, like a week before, they weren't sure who was going to fight Fabio Maldonado. Do you remember who it was? I don't. Steve Bosse. Oh, wow. And I that was when that. Steve was fighting at light heavyweight. Yeah, man. Actually, I guess he still is. Uh, he, you know what? He, he only made the one drop to, uh, to middleweight and he got knocked out. So obviously that wasn't a good idea. Yeah. So, yeah, this heavyweight division, they've got, like, Lashley and Fedor and Mitrione and, uh, as I said, Justin Wren, Javi Ayala. They've got uh, a few guys there. And Roy Nelson now? Yeah. Just, if hey, if you want to do a tournament, which I, I feel like a heavyweight tournament would just go completely awry. Like, <laughs> like nobody strike would forces, Like, fight. you'd have, you know, people injured or whatever. I mean, I, I love the idea of tournaments. It's just they never seem to work out in MMA because the injuries mm-hmm. are so prevalent. Hey, hey, maybe that's how Lashley becomes their heavyweight champion. There, Nobody I, shows I, up I always forget he's with Bellator because it's like he fights like yeah. it seems like once every year and then he's doing the stuff with Impact. You'd know better than me, but yeah. Yeah, and that's the storyline they've ran is that Dan Lambert like wanted him to decide what are you going to do, MMA or pro wrestling? And I haven't been able to keep up as much on the storyline, but I'm hearing it's one of the best storylines on pro wrestling TV right now. So I'm going to catch up with it before uh, Bound for Glory because – they're running. I mean, Stefan Bonner is going to wrestle on this show, so I'm going to watch oh, it. Yeah, I, 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 I'll, I'll even check that out. That's that's awesome. I hope Justin McCulley is it like manages him <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with, with the mask on. Yes, yes, that was uh, just such a fart noise. But I mean, Lashley's five and zero oh in Bellator, and you know, not not great, great, great opponents or anything. But still, the fact that the fact if you can go. 15 and 2 in MMA, you're doing something okay. So that, that's but, a smart uh, career move. Yeah, oh yeah. Before we go, let the people know where they can follow you on social media. Excellent. Uh, it's at Lynch on Sports. And of course, check out all my stuff on Fightful. Uh, Sean mentioned it there. Cody Stamen interview this week. Uh, Brian Kelleher interview and Sam Alvey, which I did yesterday. And I already got some stuff booked for next week. So guys, we're just going to be in the rotation now. I'll be doing a lot of interviews for Fightful and uh, doing these podcasts. So uh, yeah, just keep your eye out. And thanks everyone for uh, tuning in tonight. Yeah, these have been the afternoon moving forward, yeah? Yeah. Oh, big time, yeah. Now that, that that's the thing, yes. uh, to, to your listeners, they should know um, that, uh, yeah, we're going to be doing this in the afternoon because now that I'm full-time, I don't have a day job to worry about. So Sean and I will get like a set time, and we'll make sure we're, we're going to hammer these out. And he's by the way – He's going to be able to curse on the show. He's yeah. going to be able to shoot on like all these people he's worked with. It's going to be great. Oh, I, I can't wait. And uh, just to address something, because I know we're going to get comments about it. Yes, I realize I look like Dean Ambrose. Okay, I get that so much. <laughs> <laughs> Every single time. It's like any anything that's ever mentioned with wrestling, the wrestling fans come in and they say I look like Dean Ambrose. Yes. Also have gotten Ryan Bader as well. So I, I'm used to it. Yeah. So I had my beard trimmed like really short a while back and it was like up to here and my hair was wet and down and I got Ambrose comments too. And I was like, yeah gonna start swooping it over to the side while i grow it out like gotta get away from it because we're not gonna have the ambrose twins here on the fightful mma podcast we're not related yeah uh he actually he's from like 50 minutes from where i i live like his his, uh sister bartends in cincinnati and they'll show raw uh at a bar up there so it's kind of cool i should show up and start signing autographs you should you should be like sis what's up yeah, exactly. Uh, guys, we have Ring of Honor coverage all weekend on this quiet MMA weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. Tons of features, tons of exclusives coming for, uh, coming for you guys. Head over to those forums. And, of course, remember, uh, share our stuff, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit. Make sure you follow individual community guidelines as you do so. 
Follow me at Sean Rossap. Follow us at Fightful Online. We have stories constantly posting to Fightful.com. Uh, dozens a day. Go check it out. Until next time, we're out. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.